This episode is in partnership with T-File. T-File is a queer woman-owned business focusing on single-origin artisan Chinese teas sourced directly from family farms. Founder Annie grew up in southern China, immersed in kung fu tea traditions. Based in Oakland, California, Annie creates a collection of tea and teaware and hosts workshops to connect with those interested in tea as a way of life. Most commercial teas and tea bags are machine-picked and factory-produced. Aside from hand-picked, hand-crafted, loose-leaf teas, T-Fowl has Phoenix Oolong tea bags for those who want quality teas on days they have no access to proper teaware or time. And to reduce waste, Annie uses recycled and reusable material for packaging. Starting at the end of November, T-Fowl is offering seasonal subscription programs for three months where you would receive two teas, a zine, and a virtual workshop with Annie and other T-Fowls every month. When you subscribe for three months, you will receive a $50 mutton jade porcelain gaiwan. This subscription is a perfect gift for the holidays, something interactive and educational. If you want to try out Annie's curated teas, you can use T-File to get 10% off on her offerings. Visit her website at tfile.com. That's T-E-A-P-H-I-L-E dot com to learn more. And follow T-File Life on Instagram to stay tuned about her future tea programs. Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast. I'm Sally. I'm Linda. I'm Ming. And we're moving along. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Moving Along podcast. Today is our 41st episode, and we're going to be talking about a really fun topic going back in time to some of our guilty pleasures. Um, past and present, I guess. But before we get to that, of course, we always do a little introduction to our weeks um, and cover what happened in our past week. So, um, Sally, do you want to tell us a tale of what happened this week? <laughs> tale. Um, this week, I have a somewhat surprising weekly update, I guess. Oh. Uh, I went rock climbing over the weekend at Earth Tracks oh, okay. with a good friend, wow. Nick. Um, it was fun. It was a fun time. Like I see the appeal of rock climbing. I see why you go mm. so often, Ming. But uh, I was so sore afterwards because <laughs> I hadn't rock climbed in like two years. And Your forearms? Yeah, my forearms were so stiff, and I couldn't move my fingers afterward. It was terrible, <laughs> and I got like I like scraped the skin off of one of my fingers. But it was fun. Um, How long I was were going you there? hard? I was there for like three hours, but I only climbed oh. for like half of it. <laughs> but like mm. the second half, I just, I wore myself out in the beginning. And then I was just like, I kept failing afterwards. And then I just sat there and like watched people climb. And it's mm. a very encouraging community. <laughs> like there mm. were like random people there that were really good. And they, they would just be like nice or like they would just yeah. yell affirmations <laughs> at you, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, that's actually something that I talked about uh, when I was climbing uh, a few months ago, where we were saying that the person who I was with who climbs a lot, her love language is words of affirmation because she's always like <laughs> cheering people on and like, oh my God, you're so close or uh-huh. you got this. But yeah, everyone's so vocal. Mm-hmm. Sally, you should um, start yelling stuff too. No, I feel so embarrassed like sitting there watching yeah. people <laughs> and yelling stuff at them. Encourage Nick. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. But yeah, moving on to Linda. <laughs> wait, wait, I had another question. Oh, yeah, what's your question? Which one did you go to? Because there's a few. Oh, I went to the one here. in Colombia, but then I realized 
The one in Crystal City is closer to me, so I'll probably be going there next. <laughs> okay, have you been to that one? I haven't been to any of them. Oh. I've never been to Earth Well, Earth. our good friend Nick works there, so he got me in for free. <laughs> uh. Oh. Nicholas! <laughs> you can Nicholas, ask him to are you listening? <laughs> yeah, um, tell him to hit me up next time. <laughs> but that sounds fun. Yeah, it was fun. Maybe next time we can you can tag along. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, Linda. How was your week? Um, I guess I have a plan coming up. So today I was connecting with someone who was my potential future roommate. Um, someone from this org that I'm in was looking for a new place. So we're talking a bit, and we're we have a call scheduled for tomorrow. Ooh. And I we thought said Ming that was your would... potential roommate. It's fine. Ming is. It's fine. Taking a while. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, um, did you find them in the TASA or not TASA? The fake TASA. The, the retrograde TASA. The retrograde. <laughs> Wait, what is what do you call it? The renegade. Oh, it's yeah, renegade. renegade. <laughs> <laughs> it's like connected to that. So the renegade oh. TASA is part of a larger umbrella group. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like one of those people. So it's also like in Asian American, we have like similar interests because we're part of the same group. Um, but hopefully for maybe January. Wow, that's um, soon. And okay. yeah, too soon for me. <laughs> yeah, but we were looking at the apartment, and it looks really nice because it has like wood floors and exposed brick. Oh. And I think those are the two elements <laughs> that you sound like best dress <laughs> really make up a space. <laughs> Is there in DC? In DC. <laughs> yeah, it's in DC. It's um thing, where is it? I think in Shaw. In mm-hmm. online okay. somewhere where the green line is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you're really tired of being at home, huh? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I have to kind of force myself to move out because I'm like too comfortable here. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. it's too easy to just kind of do nothing. Um so I do want to experience moving out. How did you even like connect over that? They were just looking for a roommate, and you were like, "Okay, this is a sign." Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm. people just post about like random stuff. So, are they okay. scouting out other roommate options, or are you the only candidate? <laughs> no, I don't know. Hopefully, I can beat out the competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you'll know more after your call tomorrow. About mm-hmm. their personality kind of yeah that's true because it might not even like work out at the i don't know mm. <sighs> okay ming <laughs> how was your week uh yeah i don't have that much exciting stuff to talk about i guess um today i had the day off because it's veterans day so um i've been eyeing this new plant nursery that i've been hearing about in silver spring so i went there with my mom and it was kind of weird because it was really small and like it's on their personal property. So it's like behind their house. So it kind of looked like it was not or, like an actual commercial space. But uh, we called them and they said they were open and we went in and no one else was in there. We had the whole nursery to ourselves the entire time we were there, which is really cool. So they have really um, like rare plants and kind of like tropical-ish plants. So I had a lot of fun looking mm-hmm. around there. How did you find out about it? I just through Instagram. Oh. Like, um, I follow a few people 
in the DMV area on my plant Instagram account and they were talking about it. So I was like, okay, I'd like to check it out. And I never get to go to nurseries during the weekdays because they always close at five, which is when I get off work. But today I decided, okay, I'm going to go. <laughs> and then my mom just was like, I'll come along too. So it was nice. It was a nice bonding time too. Is your mom supportive of your, of your plant hobby? She actually is. Like, wow. she's the one that's enabling me because <laughs> I, I went to the nursery and I was, like, debating about this plant. I wasn't sure if I should get it. Um, I wasn't really planning to buy anything, but I just wanted to look and then I found it. And she's like, you know, it's not that expensive. Like, <laughs> you, you're going to want it when you leave. So. Wow, that's so nice. That's my mom's the opposite. Every time oh, I bring really? back a plant, she's like, no more plants. You're going to, like, eventually they're going to die anyways. <laughs> Did your mom get anything? I mean, yeah, my mom. It's because we had a lot of problems with like fungus gnats and oh, you know, pests and and then after we got it treated chemically with this like insecticide, some of our plants started dying from the insecticide, the chemicals. So yeah, it's a headache. (laughs) You just keep them in your apartment. Yeah, the ones in my apartment are fine. Well, most of them Mm. are fine. Yeah, I think my mom just likes the fact that I have a hobby, I guess. I don't know, like, something to put my interest in that's, like, not sketchy, like, I don't know. Like, everyone can appreciate plants, I guess, so. Mm, but yeah, that was activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was nice to have a break from work because last week and even this week has been kind of rough in terms of just, like, a lot of projects to work on, and yesterday I had to, like, submit some reports and then the vice president came back with like a lot of questions and it was stressful and it was like the first time I was actually paid attention to by like higher ups so Mm -hmm. it was kind of like Mm -hmm. nerve-wracking I guess but yeah that's been my week all right like Ming said in the opening we are talking about our guilty pleasures today whether past present or future (laughs) and just to um, define guilty pleasure it is something such as a movie, TV show, piece of music, um, something that we enjoy despite feeling that it's not generally held in high regard. Um, so it's something that we're kind of like embarrassed to say that we like, etc. Um, but first, let's start off with sharing our shared guilty pleasures, something that we all enjoy, that we're all embarrassed about, but we still like it. <laughs> so the first thing... <laughs> we want to talk about is our love for country music okay i feel like love maybe (laughs) okay our interest in country music our interest in country music okay i'm kind of um like jokingly annoyed by this one because i feel like i got teased actually i don't know if you guys teased me but i got teased a lot when i was younger for liking country music um and then suddenly my two best friends became into country music and now you guys listen to it more than i do i'm pretty sure like lena always Probably. has it playing in the car when i like get in the car with her it's for the car i don't aesthetic. understand what happened a car aesthetic but yeah i i just oh picked God. it up i guess from my family who's like pretty rural and um listens to it regularly so i like some of their music i especially like their um like the more romance like when they talk about their loves and like that sort of stuff but like i don't know how you guys got into it explain sally explain well i think i got into it or i was first exposed to it by my ex my ex-boyfriend um who was into country music and he was playing it in the car 
And then I had like a prejudice against country music at first because you know mm-hmm. everyone shits on it just because it's country music. But then when I heard, I think it was like tequila. I was like, wow, this really speaks <laughs> <The> to tequila. <laughs> and then because my at the time like I was driving my 2003 Toyota Corolla, which doesn't have um, like a Bluetooth like feature so i had to listen to the radio i wanted music so i listened to wmzq starting like around summer of sophomore year or something because i had nothing else to listen to in my car so then i would just listen to country music and that's how i got into it and then i started making like playlists for it too so that i could listen to it outside of my car actual play your playlist like nowadays oh my gosh yeah i have a country playlist playlist on spotify but I don't really listen to it much nowadays because I haven't really been in the mood in the mood for country mm. music, and my car now has Bluetooth, so I don't have to listen to it. <laughs> it was like, uh, it wasn't by choice; it was by situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, at the time, yeah. I think yeah, similar to Sally, I was also driving an old Toyota when <laughs> I started listening to country music, and I think I listened to a different station. It's like WPOC or something. I remember I was in the car with Ming, and we were like, what does POC stand for? Like, people of country. What? Um, <laughs> and that was the radio station that played country music all the time. And I think for the aesthetic, you know how country songs have, like, your your Blue Tacoma truck? That's, like, the one song I remember. Oh, and my gosh. <laughs> it's, like, about driving your tractor or whatever. It makes me feel more confident when I'm driving, especially mm. over, like, the soil conservation road where it's like over the open field and stuff i'm like oh i'm gosh. really feeling this country music Wait, actually that is actually the <laughs> that's a perfect setting when you're driving through the usda all those farmlands oh my gosh mm-hmm. yeah, i kind of get like what you're music saying video. yeah where it's like also what mm-hmm. sally said about having to be in a mood for it i think i feel the same way about country music where i can't listen to it all the time but it it does put you in a certain like Almost nostalgic. Well, maybe for me because I grew up listening to it, it puts me in like a nostalgic kind of like slow moving kind of mood where I'm just like letting life be, you know, <laughs> that kind of vibe. And um, I, Linda and I were talking about this, honest when we were listening to it, like driving. I think when we went to your house a few weeks ago, but we're talking about how it's like very much a story kind of storytelling type of genre where. Like, I think a lot of pop music is just a lot of repetition of sounds and stuff like that. And it does have some storytelling to it, but country music is really, like, telling a story, setting the scene. A lot of times there's, like, a protagonist who's the singer himself or herself. And, like, a whole, like, kind of mini drama plays out, especially with, like, the romance (laughs) ones. So Mm -hmm. I kind of like listening to it for that. Like, pop music is, like, like a G6. And then the country music is, like... I have oh my a wife, and then we have four kids, and they all went to high school, and now I'm a grandfather, and stuff like yeah. that, so it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I think, like, also I really like how you can actually hear the lyrics in country music and you can sing along to it, because when I listen to pop songs, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, half of what they're saying, even though they're speaking English. I'm just, <laughs> I just can't follow along with the lyrics, but then these, it's, it's simple, you know, when I taste tequila... <laughs> something i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah i'm curious to why you all well i guess why we all have kind of like a like 
uh, a bias against country music and for a long time like I guess this area is just not rural so you're not gro- growing up listening to it but it almost seems like when you ask people what their favorite music is it's like oh I like anything but country or like literally anything mm. but country I can't listen to country that sort of like yes. mindset mm-hmm. I'm wondering like- why yeah people are like oh i listen to everything but then they're like oh but i don't listen to country everyone around here is like that when whenever they (laughs) say they listen to like any type of music Mm -hmm. it's always like except country i think it's because we're in like a suburban area where you know like no one can relate to the lyrics from country music because we don't live on a farm we don't have those dirt roads and like no one drives a truck here Mm. so maybe it's like they can't relate to that kind of lifestyle I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, country music is like a white people thing, usually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, country yeah. music is associated with like Republicans or conservatives. And some of them probably are like, I don't know, I never researched too closely to the mm-hmm. artist that is because I don't want to know. Like, if Jason yeah. Aldean is like a super <laughs> Trump supporter, I don't want to know. <laughs> but there's also like that factor of guilt that you might be listening to someone whose views like That's true. you don't agree with. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And like, I guess, <coughs> sorry, in this area, you associate, like you said, it with white people, I guess. And so you're kind of like distancing them, distancing yourself. And also like, you're distancing yourself from like, rural people, where I guess sometimes, even I have the mindset of like, being in an urban area, we are maybe more educated or more open-minded even though this is a closed-minded thought but maybe we're all more like like linda said liberal so trying to distance yourself from that lifestyle of like yeah country you know of just very close-knit kind of environment too i think or at least that's why i guess i kind of still have a bias against it because i associate it with you know close-minded people in my family or something like that but mm. if someone asked you if like you listen to country music or what kind of music do you listen to? Do you say country music now? Like, do you admit it? Yeah, I say country music. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I went on that Tinder or not Tinder, a uh, Hinge date a few weeks ago, we were like sharing our music tastes, and I was, I proudly admitted that I like country music. And surprisingly, he also like. I mean, he didn't hate it. <laughs> I don't know if he was that into it as me, but. But I think also, um, I think like what you said about like the rollness. Oh, so mm-hmm. I think like listening to country music makes me kind of imagine what it would be like if I lived in a more rural community and like in a like a tight knit community. So like kind of imagining what it would be like if I had like their life that they're talking about and their stories is kind of mm-hmm. exciting to imagine. Yeah, <laughs> you feel like super removed from that kind of like small town life, that like rustic kind of feeling that mm-hmm. it, it's like immersion to listen to yeah. the song but also i feel like as a second gen asian immigrant there's like that feeling that country music is like a i guess a more foreign type of music like it's so americana it's not like really like my culture mm. i'm like immersing into someone else's world um but like country is like american like folk music kind of for like a specific part of the country but if i think to my own homeland the folk music there is like that version of country music which is so different but 
I think for like the inner Mongolian part is also about like grassland, is about like a rural area, it's about like a small town. So the content is the same, but like the feeling is so different. Wait, that's such a good point, Linda. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, the the I the kind of sentiment behind it is similar where a lot of times when they're not singing about like how sexy their tractor is or something, they're singing <laughs> about like their love for the land or their love for their community. And so that can be like a you know, a good thing to hold on to for country music. Um Besides, like, just the general, like, liking country music, I think when I first didn't know anyone who liked it, um, it was kind of like a, I don't know, not a, what's the opposite of a red flag? I guess, like, a green flag, kind of like, oh, like, this other Asian likes country music. Because I remember when I was first talking to Redacted, um, he also liked country music. (laughs) And it was, like, the first Asian person, Asian-American person. Yes, Dorito. Dorito? Uh, He, like, really liked country music. And I was like, wow, like, this is someone that can, like, understand what it's like to, like, have rural family members because his family was from, like, southern Maryland. Uh, and so I, th- I thought it was, like, a good sign. But then, I don't know, other things, like, clouded that. But <laughs> that was, like, I my mean, it's not, like, a measurement of something. <laughs> it was, like... I know, but I guess, like, um, I guess my perception of who listens to country music, too, had, like, changed that. But glad to know mm-hmm. we all our proud listeners of country music <laughs> maybe Sally will share a playlist mm. i feel like the country music like world has been pretty quiet lately though i need some <laughs> new drops from J- jason <laughs> aldean you know yeah i'm like linda though i'm like very i try intentionally not to pay attention to their social media or anything because i'm not you know i, I don't know I mean, I don't pay attention to it either, but I just feel like it's been quiet. I don't know why. Okay, moving on to the next one. You're really moving. uh, The next next guilty pleasures that we all share is Mm. having a Tumblr blog and being involved in, like, Tumblr communities. So we can all share, like, which communities specifically we're involved in in Tumblr. And do you want to all share also why you were embarrassed to... Like, first of all, even have a Tumblr and then be in the community. So, Ming, <laughs> you want to go first? Um, yeah, I guess Tumblr is what we, like, when we were brainstorming this episode, we kind of eventually got into our Tumblrs, and it was almost, like, so much fun to uh, look back and reminisce on that. But um, I got into Tumblr kind of, I don't, I, actually, I don't know what the average user age is, but I got into it, like, mid, early to mid high school, and I kept using it until early college, like maybe beginning of sophomore year, I stopped using it completely. But it was, for me, not really a guilty pleasure, but more of um, kind of like a, a community where I could just share my own thoughts and like not worry about it being like social media where you have to like portray yourself in a really um, nice way or your life is glamorous. It was just like a place mm-hmm. where I could connect with people who had the same ideas as me. And so it was um like speaking on that the community that i was in mostly was called the study blur community or um app blur is a different one so study blur is like the really aesthetic notes and the muji pens and like like people would actually like show off the notes that they've written for classes they'd show off maybe their um school like journals and notebooks and it was like very like um stationary aesthetic 
they had like the whole um i don't know if people know this but like the the laptop um background where it had like the giant clock on it and it was like oh yeah hello ming or something like that it was like everyone was taking pictures of it with like (laughs) twinkly lights and like a cup of coffee that sort of aesthetic and so i was really into that i think Mm -hmm. just because i was so into studying in high school and it was part of my life so why not it be part of my internet life and then appler i started getting into like junior and senior year of high school and that was kind of like a branch off of study blur where it was all about applying to colleges and like people would stress out share their stresses about applying to colleges and what colleges they were applying to and if anyone had any tips or like if they'd visit the colleges and so i feel like it was just kind of tumblr was like a magnification of what was already in my brain i guess like what i was already thinking about and kind of worrying about so i actually found a pretty good community there and uh, I had a, I don't know, I a had decent a decent like amount of followers. Yeah, <laughs> I had a decent amount of followers, um, and I would say so your follower. <laughs> I would always um, like have a hashtag and stuff like that, and I don't know. It was like a very nice community, and I didn't share it with. I like. I don't think I shared it with you guys when I was currently using it, or like I didn't talk about it that much. I think. <laughs> I found out about it, or I found out I found your blog in like senior year or something. Oh boy. But I don't think I I don't know if I followed you or I don't think we interacted. I think I just like stalked you on somewhere. Yeah, I know Linda. Mm. Um, I also found things, <laughs> and I sent you an anon. I think that's how you say it. Anon. anon. <laughs> yeah, like you could send anon. people anonymous messages, and that was always fun to like <laughs> answer and stuff like that. But. I think I intentionally, like, separated it from, like, I didn't talk about it with, like, outsider friends or, like, advertise it or anything like that. So, I guess in that way, it's a guilty pleasure, but more of just, like, a safe space, kind of. So, yeah. what happened to it? Yeah, I liked the fact oh. that... Oh. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, I like the fact that, like, everyone you interact with on Tumblr, or, like, most of the people you interact with on Tumblr are just, like, random people, and they don't know who you actually are, mm-hmm. so you're just, like, a username and a blog to them. Yeah. So there's no, like, personal attachment to, I guess, I don't know. There's no right. shame in it, I guess. That's how it's different from, like, but social yeah. media, where your name and your face isn't really connected to it. It's more people are following you just because mm-hmm. of the content that you're sharing, not because they know you personally, which is kind of freeing, honestly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I got in, obviously Appler kind of ended when I got into college. Like everyone in the Appler community made an announcement like, oh, this is the college I'm going to. And like, stay tuned for more like study tips or like, I'll help you guys get into this college, that sort of like language. But then of course, when we actually got into college, we were caught up with college. So I, mean, I it's think like college blurry. Yeah, but, like, at least my year, like, we had an app blur 2020 or whatever, and, like, everyone in that hashtag community kind of just, like, their tumblers transformed into, like, whatever they wanted to share, like, aesthetic photos or whatever, and that's kind of what I did. I, like, reverted back to, like, posting whatever. Um, I used it freshman year, and I'm going to tell you this only because it's deleted, so you can't find it, but freshman year, I used it a lot to, like, share my kind of, like, moody kind of emotional feelings a lot of times about boys or just what was happening in college but I would always like you know it was a thing in tumblr to like use the hashtag to share your feelings like not an actual post but you would like hashtag like I don't know yeah, yeah. um so I used it for that and then I started getting too busy in college and then 
I just used it like on holiday breaks and then I eventually like it just stopped and I deleted it maybe a year ago when I, I was embarrassed. <laughs> I was looking back on it. I was like, this can never be found. So I deleted it, but I kind of regret it now. <laughs> what about you all? You can always make a new one. Um, okay, I guess I'll go next. So I joined Tumblr, I think, actually, honestly, I don't really remember when, but I think it was between middle school and high school sometime around then. So like beginning high school or end of middle school. And my first Tumblr blog was all about anime because at the time that's what I was into. And I, I made my Tumblr along with like two other my friends um, at the same time. So we would like send each other posts and like tag each other and stuff. So it was kind of like in that sense, I had like some in IRL friends on Tumblr. But like also I had a bunch of just random people, you know, that I follow and they follow me back. And Honestly, now that I think of it, I followed so many people on my first Tumblr. It was like thousands and thousands of people. But then, (laughs) and then, um, so my first Tumblr, I actually had like a a decent amount of followers. (laughs) I wasn't like super popular, but you know, it was thriving. But then I kind of like, and I put a lot of effort into Mm. like designing my blog. Yeah. Which that made me really like excited about i don't know website design like at that point in my life i was like i don't know it was just fun to see like how aesthetic my blog was but then i kind of like fell out of the fandom community of like um of the animes that i was watching because i don't know i finished the animes and then i didn't really like get caught up into the new the new uh series and stuff like that so yeah and then i slowly shifted over to k-pop like as a interest so then i decided oh, i should make a new blog and dedicate it to k-pop so then i could you know share my feelings about it to other people on tumblr but that one wasn't as successful as my anime blog <laughs> oh. but yeah i think it was interesting um to see how even though like i had one main fandom when i was like using tumblr on my dashboard i would also see like bleed through from other f- from other like niches in tumblr so like i saw some study blur posts mm. i would see some like other like anime posts or k-pop posts when i'm not like when i wasn't my blog wasn't dedicated to them um yeah i would just say like uh sometimes it would my dashboard would just be like a eclectic mix of stuff like it wasn't focused on one thing specifically mm-hmm. but it was fun um i think it was fun to vent in the hashtags yeah. <laughs> so you also did that <laughs> Yes. Ooh, I want to go back and read them. <laughs> is it still available, Sally? Yeah. I think it's still available. Uh, actually, both my blogs are still available. But I don't think you can see the hashtags unless you have the Tumblr app or you have a Tumblr account mm. and you look through that. I'll make one just for that. So, <laughs> But yeah, when you were talking about, um, I guess, the different communities, I think that's what I liked about Tumblr too is that I don't know, I feel like with Instagram, okay, you guys know that I had, like, different types of Instagrams over the you years. Like five accounts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> I made them when I was really into that hobby or whatever, and then I deleted mm-hmm. them. But I feel like with Tumblr, it doesn't really matter. Like, yes, you have a main, like, community or fandom, but like you said, everything comes across your dashboard anyway. So it's, like, it could be kind of yeah. a mess or a collection. And I kind of liked how, like, me, my face, and my name wasn't represented, but, like, my interests were represented so, like, the mm-hmm. people were following me because they liked what I liked. I, I don't know. I really liked that aspect of it. 
the anonymity. Yes. <laughs> and I like that interaction. You know those posts that are like, I don't know, like pick a number and mm. then like send you Class. something, oh, some yeah, questions yeah. or something like that. Like those kind of interactive, um, like interactive posts. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like chain mail actually. <laughs> but those are kind of fun. Yeah. It added that like element of community to it and you still didn't mm-hmm. have to like really reveal yourself. Mm. Wait, yeah. remember they had like the fan mail um icon in tumblr and people mm-hmm. would send people fan mail it's like a whole thing i thought that was like super nice because fan mail is like it sounds more legit you're not just like dming you know mm. <laughs> yeah uh they also had the thing in our i guess study blur community probably in others where um it was again like that chain mail kind of idea where tag like 10 accounts that like you really look forward to seeing or whatever <laughs> yeah. and then it would always like kind of make my day <laughs> to see if i was tagged, tagged. or like yeah wow it was always really a nice feeling because again i knew that like it was about my content not about like me so i don't know it was mm-hmm. like super special i feel like you can find some really good communities on tumblr um some also scary ones but you know <laughs> there's different ones whatever anyone's interested in it's like a whole world yeah speaking of which linda what were you interested in um, I wasn't that into Tumblr like mm. you guys, I think. I was mostly reblogging random things. I did not put any effort into making my theme <laughs> look nice or whatever, but I did make a Tumblr around the same time, I think middle school or early high school. And that was when I was into my, I went into like emo phase, but it was something <laughs> like that. So I would reblog like screamo bands and whatever for the aesthetic. And I think that's like the embarrassing part like not because it was tumblr or it was like a comedy but because looking back at your old self is always kind of cringy like i can't believe i used to write this in the tags or like i wrote this weird thing like (laughs) even though it's like nbd just like looking back to see what you wrote like even for like my journal freshman year of college i'm like Mm. i don't want to see this ever again so just be reminded of that like i guess that time is like oh like i associate tumblr with this like emo scene type of thing um and Ming, i think i told you this but when you said like when you listen to music that you liked a long time ago it like triggers some kind of feeling mm-hmm. and after you said that i went back to listen to lincoln park and i was like <laughs> in my feelings all randomly at work i'm like this is really how i felt when i was like 15 years old um mm. but it was nice to look back i guess um but I think I'm still on Tumblr now. I think the collapse of Tumblr was when porn was banned. And lots of people like were like jumping ship after that. Okay, I feel really dumb because when I heard about the collapse of Tumblr, I didn't hear anything about the porn part. I literally just heard that like Tumblr's as we know it is over, it's ending. So I was like, oh shit, like I don't I, well I didn't I heard that Yahoo bought it. Yeah, something. like something yeah. like I thought it was I didn't realize the association was like porn, so I thought um, I didn't use it anyway, so I was like, I might as well delete it also because of that. But yeah, I had no idea. I don't know. Is it any different? Like, do you notice a change? Um, not really. Besides the lack I wasn't of porn. Really following <laughs> porn blogs, <laughs> although I would come across. It. I think that was the first time I saw porn as a young mm-hmm. pubescent because it would just come up on your dashboard because it wasn't like regulated at yeah. all. And, like, yeah, some people wouldn't kind of... tag it. Mm. It was wild. <laughs> yeah. I do see a recent text post that's like since like 
porn was banned from Tumblr, there's a new genre that emerged of like a tender, like longing text post because you would have to express like soft porn. Soft porn, <laughs> kind of, <laughs> maybe. Mm-hmm. I think they were talking about like text posts where people would like write out their feelings because oh, they couldn't it. express it through like mm-hmm. blogging um, porn or something. I think. Yeah. Wait. What were you gonna say, Sally? Oh, I think also on Tumblr, of like fan fiction was a big thing. So people would I don't know if they did it in the post itself or they would link it, but a lot of people shared their fanfics and that stuff also con- sometimes would contain like mm. NSFW, NSFW content. <laughs> That's where I first learned about the term NSFW. Yes, me too. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe that's what is encapsulating the guilty part of this guilty pleasure because I'm not saying that I intentionally like went looking for it, but like sometimes it would come across my dash and it just pops yeah, up. Yeah, and it's like the first time you see it, and it makes me feel like like if my mom saw it, she would be like, "This whole site is just porn. Like, get rid of it." Like, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's more than that, obviously. But I guess that little element of it and that, that kind of it made me feel guilty, but also kind of like, ooh, like yeah, it was less <laughs> scary than actual yeah. porn because they would make yeah. it like artsy. It would be like a black and white photo, but when you look mm-hmm. at actual <laughs> porn, it's like it's like. but i know what you're talking about like especially everyone was so creative with their gifts and how they would like edit them and i was Mm -hmm. always so jealous of that like not even relating to like porn gifs but like um ones where like i was in the gray's anatomy fandom for a while and so there was like this whole phase where people would like color correct it like overly color correct it so like everything was the same tint or like color um or like they would highlight one object a certain color and i thought thought that was so creative and i think like people were just so like inventive and they were literally just doing it to post on a a blog that like i don't Mm -hmm. know it was pretty cool that's why i I feel Hmm? Mm -hmm. yeah i can never understand how people did like like when i was doing the k-pop uh blog whenever some content got released they would just immediately get to work on their edits or whatever and then they would like post about it yeah and there's like blogs that are dedicated just to making edits and like gifs of stuff so that was pretty cool i don't know how people kept up with that Mm -hmm. yeah it's the same way as um like you were saying sally where you would edit the html and like really Mm -hmm. customize your blog beyond the typical um what do you call those templates mm-hmm. i felt like that made it really personal too and i guess that's why like everyone felt so comfortable and open on tumblr was because it has that anonymous ability like you can stay anonymous but also because you could customize it and like make it really yours so it almost felt like your own space at least for me my own space on the internet and so I guess when you feel like you have your own space, you feel more vulnerable and you're like, you're talking about your crushes in the hashtags and (laughs) like getting really like emotionally open, I guess. Or maybe that was just me. Sally, did you talk about your crushes in the hashtags? I didn't have crushes at that time. (laughs) I talked about my um, K-pop crushes in the hashtag. (laughs) Okay, now that we've all shared our t- our Tumblr um, fandom communities, now let's move on to our personal guilty pleasures that are that can be a little bit different from what we list what we liked on Tumblr. Um, I guess I can share because I feel like I don't know. I feel like when 
we were looking at our list of like what we share we have a lot of common like guilty pleasures so i guess that just shows like how like they're not that you know risque or they're, they're not that niche i guess but um something that i do have that's different from you guys and i am kind of guilty about this a lot like um is i like to watch reality tv but specifically um like the bachelor universe of it so the bachelor the bachelorette um bachelor in paradise there's more <laughs> there's so many like lena there's so many spin-offs to the bachelor and i like i don't even know how i got into it honestly i really don't know i think it it was obviously during college because i didn't start watching until maybe like junior year so it was kind of late in college too um but i went through like the whole phase of like getting really into it and like following the people and like learning about the drama and like getting really caught up into it until now i'm at the point where it's like i don't even watch the um actual show i listen to the commentary like commentary podcasts on the drama is what i listen to oh the meta um, yeah it's like i've stepped back from being like a just a, a a pure fan and now i'm like someone who like listens to it as like so what i listen to is a podcast called game of roses and it's like it breaks it down as a game almost and like everyone has points and it's like a very data driven kind of um podcast or perspective of the show and they talk about how it relates to like real world and how it applies especially this year to politics uh, with the election and everything like that and so i'd like to say that i'm not like a typical bachelor viewer but i'm still consuming the media and so that's what kind of makes me feel guilty about it is that it's an obviously problematic white's uh like a racist show but I, I i honestly don't know how to defend that like that sounds really bad um but i just the analysis of it and like how people interact i guess is what i like about it it's a very um problematic show so that's why i'm so guilty or i feel so guilty about watching it but i like to see it that i'm watching it from a what do you call that? A sociological perspective. Yeah. <laughs> like, it makes me feel better, but I know it's not. But yeah, I like to watch it just how, like, people interact with each other. And it is, like, a nice bit of drama that I don't have in my own life. So I don't know if that's pathetic or whatever. But, you know, that's what I'm saying. That's my guilty pleasure. Um, have you guys ever watched or ever seen a little bit of it at all? No. I saw the parody, the Asian Bachelorette, I think. The Asian Bachelorette, yeah, that's the one I saw too. Yeah. But I don't, I feel like I never see it on TV or I don't really watch TV, so I don't mm -hmm. know about it. Yeah, it's, I guess it's unique because it's um, still on like cable network, like it's on ABC, so it's strictly on TV, but it, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know, it has, like if you find it on Instagram, it has its own niche community. Like you can really, one night i really got really into the weeds of it like i was following different people who were following other people and like getting really into the drama and i think it's just because i lack my own like sometimes my life lacks that interesting <laughs> spice <laughs> so i go looking for it <laughs> wait but... do you feel like it's kind of like mr wiffleball like very cis hetero they're trying to pick mm. the perfect yeah. specimen or something i mean the whole idea of the bachelor is that the classical bachelor is that it's a man, a straight man, looking for the love of his life, someone he's going to marry. So to start off, just on that premise, there's, like, so many issues with that and the fact that, like, right, heteronormativity, uh, the fact that 
basically all of them except for a few select and they're getting more you know quote-unquote diverse but it's basically white and it's the idea that you have to get married or the end goal is marriage not even oh we're gonna commit to like dating or talking about it but no like people want to see a ring like it's considered a, like a mm-hmm. failed season if you don't see a proposal so it's that whole idea um the idea that we're stirring up drama in people's lives like they intentionally the producers will intentionally like incite drama just to make it like juicier so there's a How lot of incite drama well because I listen to this behind-the-scenes or, like, game kind of podcast, they talk a lot about, like, how the producers are manipulating it. So they're not just talking about the show as face value, but, like, what goes behind the scenes. And so it's a lot about, like, how producers will, like, egg you on and be like, so what do you really think about this person? Or, like, come on, mm-hmm. like, you have to have some thoughts, that sort of thing. Or there's been a lot of, like, um, spoil not spoilers, but, like, behind-the-scenes info where, like, the contestants can't have their phone or anything so all they're doing is being provided like alcohol like at all times of day and so by like, the time you get to the end of the night they're like pretty drunk or whatever so it's like they're just like trying to do whatever it takes to get drama flowing i guess because that's get viewers mm. <sighs> yeah sally is kind of like in survival shows where they like evil edit people yeah, into being true. like super competitive yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. they have all those I can edits but yeah I, I can see the appeal of it i mean we, everyone loves good drama everyone likes to stir the pot so <laughs> no that is yeah. so true and i think i got into it when i was like especially in my not feels but like i was like the idea of finding a perfect spouse or a perfect person you know that does seem kind of appealing or at least in that time period before i started dating someone did so it was like, if I can't find love in my own life, I can watch other people find love. <laughs> but it's like fake do love. You follow, but... Do you follow them, the couples, like, after the season, do they still stay together? Or like, is it a like a real marriage or is it just for the show? Yes. I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure there are still people married. And some people have actually had kids. And so it's like a solid, oh. you know, relationship. But a lot mm-hmm. of them end up like breaking up within like the first few months. Also, because it's filmed like ahead of the time when it sh- it's showing, like by the time mm-hmm. it's caught up to the end and it's like live, they broke up. like the people have already broken up. Yeah. Like you're literally like just catching up on their life. And by the time mm-hmm. it actually premieres, they break up like the next week. They were just waiting <laughs> for it to premiere kind of. So it is fake. It is really fake in that sense. But I, I found like a lot of people that I actually do like what they're talking about in their content and i don't know i don't know i have mixed feelings obviously so mm. it's also probably like escapism too because you just want to yeah. think about their own world and not to like whatever you're stressed about mm-hmm. but yeah. that's i feel like that's a guilty pleasure of a lot of people like trashy tv or reality tv something that's seen as like easy to watch kind of brainless i don't know if you guys watch that kind of show but yeah i love that kind of tv <laughs> I don't watch reality I mean, training, I, watch the I mean, shows. Wong does. It's kind of similar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like survival Ooh. shows are... Your mom? <laughs> no, Emmy Wong. <laughs> My fitness idol. Anyways. What about Emmy Wong? Who? <laughs> <laughs> I was watching her... <laughs> Sally. I was watching her recommendations, okay. But anyways, yeah, I feel like survival shows are kind of similar, but also not, like, similar in the sense that they, like, stir up the drama. 
like also i feel like it's not brainless because i'm like we're watching people train so it feels like it kind of feels like it's being productive or like you're supporting someone real you know because there's actually like real results at the end i mean yeah but then they're like stirring up drama for like their people's like real future so like their life is on the line kind of it's like even more like yeah unethical sometimes it's just like a it's a double-edged sword do the winners Mm -hmm. of um survival shows like they're like talent survival shows right do they actually become famous like actually famous yeah because they get to form a group at the end and then do like promotions okay yeah they're actually like they always form a very famous group because i mean in the end the group is formed based off of audience votes so they have to be liked by the general public in order to be formed and then by like by the time they combine all the popular people then like the group itself must be Mm. very popular because of that yeah yeah it's like a a marketing scheme basically it's a winning strategy i guess I wish that's how The Bachelor was sometimes. Like, we could help select the spouse. Wait, yeah, that would be fun. (laughs) Then you'd be really, like, messing with their life. But I feel like sometimes I would make better choices than they would. But you would feel so guilty if they ended up being, like, the wrong person, you know? Mm, I guess. Okay. (laughs) They can always break up. Okay. Okay, well, I guess the next one. Sally, I'm confused by this because... ASMR huh? sounds so peaceful and not guilty at all. Okay, hold on. Okay, oh, so oh my, my guilty pleasure is ASMR. And let me explain why it's guilty, I guess. So I guess now it's more mainstream. So there isn't that much like guilt behind it mm-hmm. or behind saying that you like ASMR because more people are like aware of it. But I think it's guilty because... Like, most people are casual listeners of ASMR, just, like, the cooking videos or I don't I don't know what else casual people listen to, but... <laughs> casual people. Um, but if you're, like, really into ASMR, like, you listen to, I don't know, some of the more weirder ASMR videos. So, I've been... I've listened to, like, role-playing ones, which are... Like, they sound weird, but it's actually kind of cool and, like, re- relaxing because it's, like, the point of view of someone's doing something to you so like sometimes it'll be like a mock um doctor's checkup or something or it can be like someone massaging you or someone putting makeup on you so it feels like they'll like do it to the camera so it's like from the camera's point of view so you feel like they're touching you and like with the sounds it's kind of like an immersive experience Uh, i don't think i'd like it (laughs) yeah which is like it's not something that everyone likes but i think it's cool has that feeling of physical touch while not actually touching you i don't know and then there's also just oh, like the ASMR. i just don't like the ones where they're like mouth movements yeah i yeah i can see i don't know i don't really watch those specifically but i've seen some of them and i don't know sometimes the mouth move depending on the it also depends on the asmr artist so some of them are good and some of them are just like they don't know how to create the atmosphere so they're just making sounds to me so I'm like picky <laughs> about what ASMR I listen to, but I also like how creative people are about creating their sounds. Like um, you can make ASMR out of like literally anything that makes sounds. So they can mm-hmm. get pretty creative with their, with their props and like um, what they do to them. <laughs> like I got I saw you guys this ASMR where they were like 
um, I forgot how they did this, but they were cracking glass with water. So I think the glass, it was like glass cups and they like preheated the cups with flame. And then once you mm. splash or spray cold water to them, it cracks. And like the sound of glass cracking is so, I don't know. Satisfying. So ASMR-y. <laughs> yeah, <Samari>. satisfying. <laughs> I have a question for you. Um, I think when I first heard ASMR, I learned that it it's actually wait the acronym means something and it's like people who listen to asmr like, sometimes actually feel like a physical sensation do you feel that yeah it's like the tingle sometimes. yeah do you feel the tingle if it's good yeah Ooh. yeah sometimes which is why i like it because i want to feel that tingle but <laughs> I, it doesn't always happen that's to be good <laughs> wait let me okay. look it up it's the like acronym? auditory Wait, is it like the tingle? You know the thing was like you crack an egg on on your head and then like it's dripping down. Like the massage thing? <laughs> no, it's like a it's like a little song kind of. Yeah, like the the one where you like crack an egg and then you like use your fingers to drip Trickle it down. It down. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I guess that's kind of like the feeling that you're going for. <laughs> but what was the acronym? Okay, it stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Mm. Meridian. So, so it was like a brain? <laughs> I don't I don't see a word about brain anywhere, but okay. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like when you were explaining it, I guess I understand it. I understand it. The more oh, okay. role play ones. It's a tingling sensation that typically begins on the scalp and moves down the back of the neck and upper spine. Ooh. I don't know if it's that localized for me, but I just like, I don't know. I don't really feel like a, t- like a physical tingle, but I feel like relaxed, I guess, when mm. I listen to it. It's a full body tingle. Full, yeah. full body tingle. <laughs> full body. Yeah, it's an immersive experience, which I like. Do you- Especially when you have headphones on. Do you close your eyes? Mm, no, because I like seeing the visuals too. It, it helps you experience mm. it more. Uh, sometimes I listen to it when I try to fall asleep. So mm. then I close my eyes. But it also, I think it also helps with trying, like falling asleep. Because yeah. some of the sounds can be like soothing. It's like, um, it sounds like another form of not, maybe not as strong as escapism as like reality TV is, but just another way of putting yourself in a different environment or more soothing or more pleasurable like um <laughs> experience i guess so i guess that makes sense i don't know i i'm definitely on the the, the normie asmr where like <laughs> i like the food and that's about it i watch like aloe cutting asmr or like vegetable cutting sometimes because it sounds really nice <laughs> but i don't get like any feeling yeah sally do you yeah. feel guilty or do you consider this a guilty pleasure just because it's not like not like super super common? Mm, I don't know if I would say guilty, but I think more like embarrassing pleasure because I don't mm. know. I think most people when they hear ASMR, they're kind of like, "Oh, what is like? Ew, you like ASMR?" Or like that stuff's so weird. <laughs> I don't know. Like like just that kind of sentiment. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Okay. But yeah, it's a very it's also like the ASMR community is kind of niche, I think. <laughs> but I like it. 
Anyway, you need like uh your Tumblr back so you can have an ASMR community Tumblr. Oh yeah, mm, true. <laughs> no, I'm past those days. <laughs> okay. Okay, Linda. Uh, Linda. Um, I guess similar to Ming, my guilty pleasure is like a form of escapism into like a narrative. Um, and I also try to like deal with the guild by going to the, the intellectual route um so my guilty pleasure is fan fiction i haven't written any just because um i feel like i'm not a good writer i can't like express anything but i do consume it and whenever i get into a new media i like to go on ao3 and look up the top or like the most popular works to see like what the fandom likes to talk about because every i guess different fandom for a media has things that they like such as one show would have like a super compelling like relationship but another show would have like a really nice world building aspect to it so fans like to explore different um i guess different features of the show so i like to see like what they like to talk about um and i think the guilt comes from that being a I guess writing fan fiction is seen as like a very teenage girl thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know how like people write like One Direction fan fiction, like yeah. Wat- Wattpad, <laughs> Wattpad or something, and it's like Zayn Malik plucks me out of the crowd and then oh we fall in love or something. <laughs> but what? a lot of it goes like super deep, and mm-hmm. okay, I don't think I'm I'm like immune to the guilt of it by now because I did speak in for like oh my god like a hundred people at Ikasu just like presenting about it, and I did write a paper that oh my god my my office found out and they like emailed <laughs> the whole team that congratulations i wow. came to read it wow i feel like so exposed um but like it's too late now i have to own that i like it and i think the um i do kind of like intellectualize it but some of it is really trashy like hmm. and some of it is like super problematic because there's things where like fans would try to whitewash characters or write like a problematic relationship um so there are definitely problems but you know with anything there's good parts and parts that you just kind of have to not deal with or find some way to Mm. accept it but for fandom i'm like you're not being a passive consumer of media you're somehow it makes it okay if you're putting your own, mm. I guess, twist to it as a fan. So if a media is like super problematic, um, like there's a racist character in it, you could rewrite it as a better character and use that to kind of deal with how harmful the original media can be. So it is kind of like a coping strategy in a sense, or it has potential to be one. Hmm. That's a really good point. Of honestly, I didn't even know that fan or fan fiction was problematic in those ways i thought it yeah i guess i had that uh general perspective oh it's just like really obsessed fans writing themselves into a story or something i Mm -hmm. yeah i didn't realize there was so much um to i guess process behind it but that kind of makes sense where when you take control of the story or you have the media itself then like that feels like you have more of the power and so you you can make it uh more whatever like okay i guess in your mind like it's a way of kind of like um taking it back i guess yeah because you know how in avatar there's zuko who was like abused as a child by his father and Mm -hmm. there's people who like 
also went through like child abuse and they were projecting onto this character so they were writing fan fiction as a way to mm. kind of express that experience but mm. on the other side is people who like have no idea what like are like writing problematic things like like he should just get over it or something in their oh. fan fiction so it's like you're just opening up the world to different things and you have to be careful and like look at the tags to see what you're really like about to read are is, is are there like genres to fan fiction like is that what you mean by tags yeah i'm able to read there's like different tags because you can tag like enemies to lovers which oh, is oh, one of my favorite yeah. tags or you can tag things like this is like a trigger warning for child abuse or mm-hmm. something um mm-hmm. which is nice because like regular books don't have it and then suddenly you'll be reading it and then it's like a super problematic thing hmm. comes up, um, but also fan fiction is free. I can read it on my phone, and I don't <laughs> have like the patience for a super long book. So true. I think that's like more accessible to read. Sa- uh, Sally, I don't know about you, but my first and I think only probably encounter with fan fiction was on Tumblr. Again, I think it was just Me like too. randomly yeah. like popped up, um, and I guess what, what fan fiction, like what. Um, story or characters Grey's Anatomy yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) it was it was a love it was like what you said Luna an enemy to lover thing but it was between um McSteamy and (laughs) McDreamy (laughs) so it was like actually yeah the two male doctors like being enemies and fighting like they do in the actual tv show but then they eventually like grow to love each other and I was kind of caught up in it. Like, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, I was trying to... The thing with um, fanfiction on Tumblr, I think, was that they released it, like, as they wrote it, I guess. Or it wasn't complete. Mm. So I, like, got to the end and I was like, oh, dang. And then I kind of just forgot about <laughs> it, I guess. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, too, it was similar where it was, like, a K-pop group. And then a lot of times people would write fanfics about members within the same group. So, like, I don't know. They have, like, different tropes, but then it's always, like, these is well a lot of times it's like nsfw stuff <laughs> so then i didn't know i mean i didn't look at the tags but like i just ran into it and then i started reading it because it was about members of this group that i liked and i was like hmm, interesting interesting and yeah sometimes it gets pretty raunchy <laughs> linda what do you have to say for the nsfw i mean it'd be like that sometimes be like that but you said you would never, or would you ever write your own fan fiction? I have some ideas, but whenever I like try to write it, I don't know. I might draw something though, because fan art is a little bit less, mm-hmm. I guess, shameful. I guess because I guess not that many people are drawing NSFW stuff, or at least not where I'm seeing. Um, and I think a lot of artists do fan art as a way to break into the community of other artists, like. I think I heard, like, if you draw furry art, you're going to make so much money just because the community <laughs> is so involved. What? So it's, like, a lucrative, um, oh, wow. like, a side gig to do. Um, but I don't know if furries are, like, fan art, though. I think it's just, like, a genre. I don't know. I wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, I feel like uh, basically everything we've talked about in terms of, like, guilty pleasures, there's, like, a way for you to to make it your own or I don't know to like put your own touch to it whether like with Linda's obviously it's pretty like obvious in the way that people do that where they write themselves into it or they write 
the scenarios they want to see and then like for the bachelor i i think of how like the podcast i listen to kind of um re- i don't know what the word is linda but they like they, hmm. they change what the meaning of the show is to them like to me now it's not about the fakeness of trying to find true love it's about like seeing how these people act and how that reflects our society now and then mm-hmm. i don't know sally like asmr people make it to be in their <laughs> own scenarios but it is kind of cool how that's what the guilty pleasures are, are um seen as sometimes like we're mm-hmm. it can be personalized yeah I guess. personalized that's a good way of putting it mm-hmm. but also i feel like sometimes that plays into part of the guilt like it feels guilty because it's too personal like mm. for tumblr mm-hmm. it's guilty because you're writing your personal feelings onto it yeah and for fan fiction you feel guilty because sometimes you're reading something that's super personal but no you can't find that kind of thing anywhere else so you, mm-hmm. that's like the place where we had to get it and i don't know how personal asmr can be but i guess there's someone like, <laughs> touching you and stuff that's also pretty personal <laughs> yeah, that's a good point yeah i get yeah. Uh, that's almost like why you don't want to tell other people about it too because it's your own Thing and you don't want to be safe space yeah safe yeah. space you don't want to be like judged for it i guess or mm-hmm. that's how i feel so yeah totally agree so in this episode we talked about our guilty pleasures and i think we hit some special notes in our lives um we talked about asmr tumblr escapism for watching shows or reading fan fiction so if you also have a guilty pleasure i hope you can relate to our experiences i hope you have some way to cope with the guilt and i hope that you can feel comfortable to seek out more guilty pleasures in the future mm-hmm. and you can make sure to check out our website at movingalongpod.com where you can find all of our episodes and show notes with links Maybe we'll include a link to Sally's Tumblr or Spotify playlist. Who knows? (laughs) And if you like this episode, you can follow us on IG and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And starting from this episode, we also are posting our episodes on YouTube, so you can check it out there too. Until next time. Bye. Bye.